and welcome to the Finding Nemo podcast. It's your host, Nemo. Today on the show, I brought in a man who's literally a legend anywhere you go. He's committed his whole life to the Lord and sharing God's love to anyone and everyone he encounters. So please welcome onto the show, Mr. White. Mr. White, do you have anything you would like to say? Call me Joe. (laughs) If I could call you Nemo, you'd call me Joe. (laughs) All right, I'll call you Joe then. Okay, awesome. So I would love to start the show off with you just sharing your testimony and how you accepted Christ into your heart and how did God speak to you like growing up as a kid? Well, Nemo, I grew up very fortunate. I had a really, really good mommy as you do and I had a really good daddy as you do. And mom and dad were definitely believers. Uh, in that day and age, believe it or not, I'm like 73 years old. so. You know, my mom and dad really grew up in the 40s and 50s, uh, and I guess even the 30s some. But Christianity was more talked about on Sunday and not, you know, today's Canuck. You know, we, we talk about Jesus like all the time, day and night, and, and, and not to take anything away from mom and dad because they were, they were just stellar. Both of them were stellar people. We just didn't talk about Jesus a lot. And so... Um, I think for me, really knowing Christ, uh, like kind of full time, really came after college, uh, and so um, yeah, we were kind of really just like right after I graduated, and I started working. I was coaching at Texas A&M uh, in the football uh, with the football team, and then I was also working for my daddy uh, with Kennecuck, and it was really during that season that I really felt like I knew what it meant to give my life to Christ completely. Awesome. So what would you say is like the bigger difference from like before you like would say you had your own faith and after so like before Christ and after Christ? Well, you know, Nemo, I love, you know, the concept that comes out in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if any man's in Christ, he's a brand new creation. And, you know, I, I, you know, and I, you know, I do a lot of counseling and, and, uh, and, and when I get a chance to see Christ transform Lives, especially at like at K two, you know. I mean, my heart is called for teenagers. I've been doing teen ministry, um, really for, for fifty years now, uh, and so when I see kids, you know, in crisis, you know, they come to me. You know, it's happened. This happened for fifty years. I'm kind of like, you know, just I guess I've just got good listening ears. Maybe I don't know. I don't have any special gifts or education, but I'll, I think I listen well. And so kids are comfortable coming to me. And, and they, you know, watching, watching kids uh, become brand new creations, I compare it to like metamorphosis. And I watch these young people, especially at K2, you know, the teenage version of Canna Cook, uh, you know, I, I just see hundreds, I mean thousands over the years, but hundreds of kids every summer really becoming brand new creations. And it's like that little caterpillar crawls in that little chrysalis, you know, and he dies in that chrysalis. And the little cocoon, if you will, if it's a moth or a chrysalis, if it's a butterfly, you know that little mo- that little caterpillar just literally deteriorates. It, but then those those little DNA molecules from which that caterpillar was made, they reconfigure. Uh, the DNA literally is rebuilt in that little chrysalis, like a little coffin. And and instead of a caterpillar coming out, a butterfly comes out. So for me, uh, it, it changed everything. You know, I mean, literally, and it, and it should. Coming to Christ should change everything for me. 
But instead of being all about me, you know, it became how can I lead this world to Christ? Yeah, that's that's kind of like I don't know how to describe it better than like what you just said. And like this summer, I don't know if you like heard, but like that was my experience at K two, like just flipped a whole new like page in my book of life and like whole different person from like being selfish and like so like personally like I've experienced your ministry and your love and it's just changed my heart and like that's why I'm here right now interviewing you is like to honor you and like the work you've done and so the next question I have for you is like we all go through trials and like what's your advice for someone who's going through a trial right now like and just struggling with like does god love me why would he let bad things happen to me because in my story that was like a big question i had and i wish i had someone answer that for me sooner so yeah you know you read scripture persecution is like a privilege you know persecution is like uh it's, it's like an honor in Scripture to be persecuted. And so, you know, I, I was just thinking about First Peter. Uh, uh, three or four, it says, Brethren, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, knowing that the other brethren, the other Christians in the world have gone through the same things. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But, but you know, in, in Scripture, it doesn't talk a lot about, you know, uh, a life of ease, a life of comfort, a life of, you know, it talks a lot about a life of persecution. And like, you know, I've had 23 or 20 something surgeries, major surgeries on my body, and they've cut off, you know, my legs. And, uh, you know, I've had all kind of heart attacks and spine surgeries and, you know, you name it, everything's been cut on or cut off. <laughs> but but I just, I, I count it a privilege, you know, every time I go into surgery and I come out, you know, in pain or going in pain or stay in pain or whatever, uh, you know, it's just, I don't know. I just feel like uh, when, when they had to open my chest and redo my heart and then they had to go in and cut in my lungs and you know, all those terrible things were happening. But it was, like, it was like the greatest month of my life. I mean, it, to the outside world, it would have been horrible to be in pain for a month. Uh, but, but it's like my room was a sanctuary. It was incredible. It was like God was in that room in such a special way. And so the, the joy of suffering is one reason why it's incredible. And then two, suffering makes you more like Christ. And so, um, you know, Nehemiah, you never would have been the man you are today because everybody admires you, including me, because of what you've been through. And so, and so we see more of Christ in you. You know, I'm sure before this thing happened to you, we all saw Christ in you, but not like today because you've been through some really difficult trials. And so it brings out the Jesus in you. Suffering does that. It chisels off, you know, what looks like Nemo and it leaves behind what looks like Jesus. That's what suffering does. It's cool. And then, and then the other thing, you get to share in the sufferings of Christ. And so when I was in the hospital with amputations and heart attacks and all that kind of stuff, uh, it, was like, it was like I felt just a little bitty splinter of the cross. And granted, it wasn't a lot, you know, I mean, nothing's like the cross. So I can't begin to imagine what Jesus went through. Can't even begin. But, but when you suffer, you get a little splinter of the cross. And that is really awesome because that makes your fellowship with Jesus so much richer. 
And then they're all like big payoffs. But one of the big one of the biggest payoffs is when you suffer, you get to be there for other people who suffer. And you have this incredible sensitivity toward other suffering individuals. You just care more deeply. And it's like it's like Nemo, God gives you you a backstage pass into other people's hearts. And so in any way that I have suffered or fallen or made mistakes or, you know, failed or, you know, whatever, emotional suffering, physical suffering, then, then others who suffer like that, I can be there for them so they can understand. You know, I, I grew up, you know, making lots and lots of dumb mistakes growing up. You know, mis- you know, I was like one mistake ready to happen after another in my growing up years. But, but now when people are hurting and suffering and falling and failing and struggling and, you know, and physically suffering, emotionally suffering, uh, you know, I, could, I, can, I can be there. And that's, to me, that's worth it all yeah. to be there for others that are suffering. It's worth it all. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, like, I can relate to that. And just, like, people are more tuned to listen to me now that I've gone through that because they know I can understand what they've been through and like it's just so much easier to relate with somebody like I can relate super easy with you because you've gone through way more than I can imagine yeah. and so I'm like he knows what he's talking about yeah. and he's been through it all so yeah. Yeah. And Nemo, if I could just introduce a bible verse uh, in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4 it says that God comforts us in our afflictions so that we can comfort others in the same affliction that we have been comforted by God. And I was reading a, a, a commentary by Barclay. Barclay's a great commentary writer. He's a little light on the miracles and some of those things because we know Jesus was supernatural. He was all God. So Barclay is a little light on that stuff, but he's a great historian. And he said that the word comfort in that context in 2 Corinthians 1.4 is a word of bravery that a general gives to a defeated army to give them the bravery to get back in the battle. So in that context, when, when Joe gets to suffer, I get to get a word of bravery from the Holy Spirit so that I can give that same word of bravery to others are being defeated so that they can feel the same comfort from the Holy Spirit that I feel. Wow, what an honor for the rest of your life. You know, you'll be a comforter to those who've struggled in areas that you've struggled in. What an honor. Yeah, it's it's a huge honor. And just going through all of it, it's like in the moment you don't see that honor. But like it's cool to look back to see that he, like you said, was shaping me and carving me out and putting me in situations now where I can relate with people. And so that's just huge. And that Bible verse is like super encouraging and like Oh, isn't that just a great understanding? That's just awesome. Yeah, it's like just reading my Bible, I just see like so many verses that like yeah. speak to me and like yeah. I wish I read it and then and like while I was going through the trial yeah. of losing my memory. Yeah. And so, like, now reading the Bible for, like, the first time, like, I get a reset. Mm. And so, like, it's just, I'm super blessed to have that. Mm. And I, three months ago, I probably never said I'm blessed to be going through this trial. Mm. Mm. And looking back, I can say that now. 
So, so, so that amnesia that you went through was sort of the little chrysalis or the little cocoon that the old Nehemiah died in, and instead of a caterpillar coming out, that was your, that was your butterfly. Yeah, and they'd say everybody knows you sees that today, and you know it, we see the butterfly. And it's so great. God's opened your eyes to just how great the word is and how great it is. I call it the master's degree, by the way, Nehemiah. A, uh, a young man at K2 football, a teenage guy that I coach football, as you know, and uh, even without legs, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but <laughs> I ride a four-wheeler around. It's like a, it's like a gas-powered wheelchair. But anyway, you know, I get really close to the players. That's why I coach. And this one kid had a knee injury. He said, Coach, what do I do? And I said, suffer well. And he wrote me about four months later, and he goes, Coach, I get it. He goes, I've, I've, I've done that for the last four months. You know, I've been suffering, but I've suffered well. And so for him, it was a victorious experience to go through the knee injury and to miss the season and go through surgery and rehab just so he could suffer well and be sort of a witness, a testimony to others on the team and his family. And, you know, obviously that's what, by the grace of God, that's you, what you've done. You know, through the whole thing, you've suffered well. I've never seen you whine one time. Never seen you complain one time. You've looked bewildered a few times. <laughs> like, what? And that? Those are stars. What are those? <laughs> but, but just the way you've suffered well, you know, that's been incredible to all of us who've known you to watch, you know, the way you've handled uh, your suffering. What a blessing that is. That means a lot. So I know you've like shared the gospel with so many people and you've just seen people just change from like just you pouring into them. And you came over to my house a few, it was like last week, I think. Mm -hmm. And we were just talking about stories of like you just pouring into people in the sport of golf and like mm -hmm. just stories like that. So like what are some of those stories that have just like stood out to you and like stuck with you through the years like, that you'll never forget. Yeah, you, you know, Jesus is so good. He, he lets us share in kingdom building. Right now, you're kingdom building. And, you know, and he could have done it. You know, he could have written a note in the sky, and he could have, you know, done all of his kingdom building on his own. But he lets, he lets you know, really fallen people like me, you know, just average everyday idiots, share in kingdom building. And every time, you know, you, you get a chance to, to see somebody get it. And like you say, Nemo, I'm just, I'm the most blessed person that ever lived. You know, I get to be a part of that experience with people, you know, kind of like all the time. And, you know, I, I, I can't say I do this all the time, but I, my goal is, is one of my teenage friends says to bring eternity into every conversation. And that's, that's, a, that's the coolest thing. I just heard that the other day about bringing eternity in every conversation. But for years, I've kind of had that, you know, goal. Uh, and and so when you get to see that little caterpillar, you know, I, 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 I'm thinking of one, you asked me for a specific, I, I don't think there's been any better than to watch Muslim guys that I know. Uh, sometimes I'll meet Muslim guys in taxis and limos and things like that. And when I travel, speaking at places and stuff, and, uh, and so I'll bring eternity into the taxi, or bring eternity in the limo, or bring eternity at the rental car place, or bring eternity to the airplane seat, you know, next beside me. But I love sharing Jesus with Muslim brothers. I really do. I love it. And I call them brothers because uh, 
there's a there's a desire in every man to know Christ. They just some, some guys just don't know it uh, yet. Uh, but uh, but you know even the Muslims believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. Now they don't believe the Quran doesn't teach that he died on a cross. They don't believe there's forgiveness and grace and atonement, but they do believe he's born of a virgin. And so when I get a chance to kind of help them fill in the blanks of why Jesus came, um, I'll just think of one. I was in a taxi in uh, Chicago and rode around for a while with my son, uh, look at stuff. And, and, and so I made friends with their driver. And he had me from Syria. His name was Imad, I-M-A-D, or I-M-O-D, Imad. And so when we get to the driveway after four hours of driving around Chicago, I just said, Imad, what's going to happen when you get when you die? And he goes, oh, he goes, uh, there'll be judgment. And I said, oh, okay. I said, what will happen to judgment? According to the Quran, what will happen to judgment? He said, well, God will put on my good deeds on my right side, on my bad deeds on my left side, which is what the Quran teaches. That's what most religions of the world teach. That if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, I go to heaven. And I said, well, what if your bad deeds outweigh your good deeds? He goes, oh, it's like he never thought about it. He said, well, I suppose I'll go to hell. I went, ah, I said, Imad. He said, what's wrong? And I said, buddy, I don't know how you're doing, but if I had to live my life knowing that my end of my life, there'd be judgment in my bad deeds that way, my good deeds, I go to hell. I said, I would, I'd be paranoid. I wouldn't want to live anymore. It'd be crazy. And he gets it. And he says, what does your religion teach you? And I said, well, sir, according to the New Testament, when I die, there'll be judgment. But at judgment, God doesn't look at my good deeds up against my bad deeds, but he looks at the righteousness of Christ in my heart. And based on the righteousness of Christ, I go to heaven, not based on my good deeds, but based on his good deeds. <laughs> and he goes, no one ever told me that. And I said, well, sir, that's the New Testament. And he said, where are you going to church tomorrow? It was Saturday. And I said, Willow Creek. How you spell that? And I said, W-I-L-L-O-W-C-R-E-E-K. And he writes it down. He said, I'll be there tomorrow. And then another guy in Chicago, uh, his name was, uh, he was a, uh, oh, the sweetest guy. His name, he was from uh, Lebanon. His name was Amin. Beautiful guy, beautiful guy. It was late at night. And uh, I said, what do you think about Muhammad? I don't like him. And I said, you don't? No, oh, no, I don't like him. He started telling me why he didn't like Muhammad, you know, the way he lived his life, and you know. And I said, "What about the Quran?" Oh, I don't like it. I said, "You're Muslim?" Yes. I said, "You believe in the Quran?" Some yes, some no. And I said, well, "So he started telling me about the Quran." Well, I knew, you know, I read some little stuff, and and then when he gets to the end of himself, and he realizes he's going nowhere with the Quran because you don't go anywhere. You just have to worry your whole life. Do this, do this, do this. They do this. They call it the five pillars of Islam. You got to do everything right. Obey all these rules, you know? And we get to the end. I said, can I tell you about Jesus? He said, yes. And so I began to share with him about forgiveness and grace. I want that. He goes, my heart is beating so fast. I have chills all over me. He said, are you an angel? I said, oh no. <laughs> I said, ask my wife. <laughs> I said, I'm just a regular, regular guy. He said, ah. Oh. Anyway, so he, he receives Jesus. He gives his heart to him. And your question was, what's it like? It's unbelievable. Every time it's like it's never happened before. And then and then I start quoting scripture to him. And it's, it's like midnight now. 
and you know, he's taking me out to West Chicago where I'm staying. And uh, he goes, please don't stop, please don't leave. I mean, super sharp guy, super intelligent guys. Three kids are in the university studying, you know. And then, and then we get out, he goes, will you hug me? And I said, of course. And, and I held that man like a father should have held him his whole life. And just gave him just a fatherly, you know, attention. And yeah, Nemo, it's unbelievable. But by the grace of God, it, you know, it happens a lot and it should happen a lot for every Christian. It shouldn't be novel, you know, to lead someone to Christ. It ought to be just kind of what we do throughout the day. Restaurants, you know, waitresses, waiters, owners, managers, credit card people, grocery, fill, you know, wherever, wherever we go, you know. And, and, and so that's what we do as Christians. But every time, it's the greatest thing in the world, every time. That Just hearing these stories, like, that's the whole point of my podcast is just to get those stories out there, like, and it just gets me passionate to share my faith with anyone I run into, like even at Chick-fil-A, like, or McDonald's, just anybody. And just like hearing the stories and like you talking about it and like you getting excited about it is like, just gets everybody else excited about it. So it's super cool to hear you talk about that. Yeah, that's what uh, the writer of Hebrews is saying when he says, don't forsake the assembling together is the habit of some but spur one another on to love and good deeds. Encourage one another. And, you know, by the grace of God, that's what you're doing with this podcast. That's what your life does. I love that part of being a Christian. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a blessing to be a Christian. And no one should take it for granted. And they just need to be sharing the love constantly because someone sent me a text yesterday and they're like, there's nothing you can do to earn the love of Jesus Christ. Like nothing we can do. And like the Muslims believed it's like about good and bad, Mm -hmm. but there's nothing we can do Mm -hmm. to earn it. Mm -hmm. And it's about him sacrificing and giving us the gift that we can receive. Mm -hmm. And so that's just changed my life. It's Mm -hmm. changed your life as I can see. Mm -hmm. And it's anyone who's experiences that change, it will change your life. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I was with another Muslim guy in uh, in Denver, and it was a it was a Thursday, and I was doing an event at the Colorado campus. We do college events, you know, all over the country and at secular colleges, and we build a cross and and get to lead students to Christ. You know, it's awesome. And so, uh, every just watching college students just just give their give everything to Jesus. You know, we've seen hundreds of thousands of students over the years uh, come to the cross. But anyway, I get in this limo because my assistant insisted. <laughs> I was going to drive myself. I like to just get a real car and go. But she goes, you're going to be on the phone all day. You need to, you know, let me rent you something. And I said, well, I'm not going to get one of those stretch limos. I hate those things. And she, but anyway, so a Denali pulls up. And the guy's name is uh, Anoush. And he's from Iran. Driving. Sharp guy. Brilliant guy. And so he's taking me to, call, to the University of Colorado. And, and so I asked him questions about the Quran and about Muhammad and just let him talk about his faith. And he talks forever. And then we do the event that night. We had an incredible time on the Boulder campus uh, with about 900 students there. And, and, then, and then Monday, I fly back out to do an event at Colorado State at uh, Fort College. Guess who my driver is? Out of all the drivers in Denver, 
Guess who shows up arbitrarily to take me to Fort Collins? Same guy. Anoush. Yes. Crazy. And so and so we so we get back into our friendship and you know we're laughing, having fun and 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 we get to the Coliseum or the uh, theater in uh, in uh, Fort Collins. And I said, Anoush, you've been telling me about your faith, you know, for the last couple of times. I said, can I tell you about mine? He said, of course. And so I start letting him read Bible verses that lead a man to Jesus. And so I just give him one. He reads that, another, and another, and another. And I draw pictures as he's, as he's reading these Bible verses that would lead anybody to Christ. I start drawing pictures of what he's saying so he can see vividly what he's reading. Well, we get down to grace. It's by grace you've been saved, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says. Well, that's where he buckles, and I knew he would because Muslims don't believe in grace. There's no grace in the Quran. It's all works. And he buckles. He said, but with God, you must obey. And I said, uh, I said, uh, Anoush, are you a father? Are you a dad? He said, of course. And I said, are you a good dad? Of course. I said, uh, you love your kids? Of course I love my kids. And I said, if they were in prison, would you love them less? He said, my children must obey. I said, I know. But if they were in prison, would you love them less? And he gets it, Nemo. And he goes, no, I suppose I would love them the same. And I said, Anoush, the God of the New Testament wants to be your dad. And he wants to love you 100% all the time. And he gets it. That's why they call it amazing grace, isn't it, buddy? It is amazing, <laughs> the grace of Jesus. That's amazing. That's like the only way you can describe it. And it like, once you realize that, it just takes you over. And you're like, why? Why did I ever believe anything else than this? Like, I must have been blind, which we are blind until you see it. And. So he had to knock you out. Yeah, he had to, knock <laughs> he had to literally out. knock you out to yeah. get you to see it fully. Yeah. You already saw it. You were already a great kid. Your family's a great family. But for you to see it in his yeah. fullness, he had to knock you out. <laughs> I had to run me into a wall. That's been pretty bad. <laughs> okay, so I, I ask everybody this question that come on. So this is more lighthearted question, but. I've just always wondered how do boats float like it's a piece of metal on water like how does that work you can kind of make up an answer if you want I'll believe it so I'll tell you a story I'll tell you a story about why boats float so 50 years ago I was just beginning to direct the Kennecook boys camp there was only one camp in those days and the boys side it was a boys side and a girls side the boy side needed director. I was 23. And so I brought my college football coach up here. His name's Ray Utley. And I feared him, but I loved him. He was a tough coach. He was a really tough coach, but we loved him. And he, and he brought out in us as players more than anyone else could have brought out. He could bring out anything in a player. And, and so I asked him to come help me. Well, he came up to camp that summer to help me direct the camp. And he had a son named Lee, was about seven, cutest little kid you ever saw, big, cute, little thick glasses that rode on his nose, and just a darling kid, kind of a frail little guy. Well, our boats weren't as good as they are now in those days, and our boats were small, and there was a big 
D1 athlete behind the boat on a slalom ski. And when he made the cut, it threw Coach Utley and Lee out of the boat, and the boat flipped. Now our ski boats don't flip. You can't flip them. Yeah. I guess you could, but you don't. You can't. I don't know how you could. You probably can't. But anyway, in those days, they were smaller and not as buoyant. And so Coach was out in our lake. And our lake, as anybody knows who's been around Branson, it's cold because it's below Table Rock Dam. We get cold water. And so Coach is swimming around the boat trying to find little Lee, and he can't find him. And he thinks he's drowned. And then at the last ditch effort, he ducks under the boat where the air is trapped. Because when a boat turtles or goes upside down, air is trapped under the boat. And Lee is under the boat in the airspace, treading water. His little glasses down on his nose, cuter to button. And Coach just throws his arms around him. And he said, Lee, what were you thinking? And he said, I knew you'd be there, Daddy. I knew you'd be there. So why does a boat float? Because of the air. <laughs> okay. That's probably the best description I've either, had so far. Either right side up or upside down. That makes a lot more sense. People it's just need to use buoyant, stories. It's called buoyancy. Buoyancy? Buoyancy. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. That's probably like, I need stories to explain stuff to me. That's like how I learn best. Okay, so I think that will wrap up the episode. Joe, do you have anything you'd like to say before we go? Well, just it's an honor to serve alongside of you, Nemo. You know, I, I admire any 17-year-old like you who has his grip on where he's going, what he's doing, why he's living, and who he wants to live his life for. And you've got that lined out at age 17. I did not. I admire you that you do. Yeah, that means a lot. I'm blessed, and I don't take anything for granted because there's a lot of 17-year-olds who haven't gone through what I have and realized that the Lord is, like, the only thing you should be living for. So it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be able to use this podcast to glorify Him. And so before we go, I just want to thank you for joining me on the show and just taking a few moments to share your wisdom that God has gifted you with. And I hope to have you on here someday again, later down the road, if the Lord wills it. And it's just been an honor just to hear your love for the Lord and like your passion, just come out in the stories you've told or just the scripture you've referenced. And I know Noah, like I respect you so much and I look up to you and you're the main reason I'm here today, worshiping God as my Lord. Mm-hmm. So I just want to thank you for that. Mm-hmm. So well, the, the, the honor and the privilege is mine, Nemo. It's nice to be your friend. Yeah. Thank you. So this has been Episode 8 on the Finding Nemo podcast, and we'll be seeing you. <laughs>